0: this is Pet Life Radio. Let’s talk pets.
1: This show is brought to you by Pet King brands, the makers of Xmox and Oratine.
0: It's Obehave with Arden Moore. This show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Oh. Join Arden as she travels coast to coast to help millions better understand why cats and dogs do what they do. Get the latest scoop on famous faces, their perfectly pampered pets, and who's walking who in Renton, Tinseltown.
1: And showcasing not one, but two new books he has written. Now, do you know the difference between a Puli and a Pumi dog breed? Or a Cornish hen from a Devon Rex cat breed? Or can you name the dog breed that's been around since the Middle Ages? Or can you name the ancient civilization who regarded cats as gods? You're in luck. We have the answer, man. Please welcome back to our show The Possum President of the San Diego Humane Society Dr. Gary Weitzman Hey, so glad to have you back, Dr. Gary
2: Oh, so good to be back with you, Arden
1: You know, folks, I first met Dr. Weitzman several years ago When he came to San Diego to take over the helm For the San Diego Humane Society And that has meant since that cats, dogs, and other companion animals There at the shelter are, have been a great pause so, listeners, you get ready to learn. We're going to find out all these fascinating facts from the newest books from Dr. Gary Weitzman. They're both from National Geographic Kids. They're called Dog Breed Guide, a Complete Reference to Your Best Friend Forever, and Cat Breed Guide, a Complete Reference to Your Perfect Best Friend. We're going to find out more, but we got to pay for the show, so we got to take a commercial break. You know the drill. Sit and stay. We'll be right
0: back. Time for a pause. Four furry ones actually sit and stay. Obehave will be right back.
1: Hey, pet pals. Arden Moore here. Is your dog or cat prone to ear infections? Does your pet resist having his ears clean when they're inflamed or irritated? Are you also concerned about the overuse of antibiotics? Help is here. Zmox ear care products offer soothing relief and you'll love this part. They don't require the ear to be clean before you apply the drops. It's just as easy as fill, rub, And done. That means less touching of those sensitive ears to help create a soothing, fear-free experience. And you only apply once a day. Here's another perk. Zmox, at Z-Y-M-O-X, gets its effectiveness from enzymes, not antibiotics. You'll find these veterinary recommended products through your veterinarian, most pet specialty retailers, and online. To learn more, go to Zmox.com, that's Z-Y-M-O-X. Pause up.
0: Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com Behave is back with more tail wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets now back to your fetching host America's pet edutainer Arden Moore
1: Welcome back to the Obehave show on PetLife Radio I'm your host Arden Moore As mentioned, our special guest today is Dr. Gary Weitzman. He is the president of the San Diego Humane Society, and he has just written a pair of new books for National Geographic kids. They're called Cat Breed Guide, a complete reference to your perfect best friend, and Dog Breed Guide, a complete reference to your best friend forever. Now, just to update everybody, Dr. Gary, we have a connection. You know that. Besides me leaving Oceanside, California, I heard you were coming, so I had to scoot over to Dallas. <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still getting over that, Arden. I know.
1: It's a big shock, right? No, I moved for family reasons. But our connection is... Folks, I adopted from the San Diego Humane Society in 2014 in the fall before I moved to Dallas a young orange tabby. I named him Casey. I want to let you know, Dr. Gary, he's now a certified therapy cat, and he's known as Pet Safety Cat Casey. He assists me and Pet Safety Dog Kona when we teach our pet first aid and our pet behavior classes. He has now traveled and helped me present and be a teaching feline in 13 states. So I just want to thank wow. you because Casey rocks.
2: That is wonderful. He's spreading the word with you. That is fantastic.
1: And How old is so- he now? He's five. We appropriately picked his birthday as April Fool's Day. And he's a long-leaf okay, right. And uh, he even has his own pet trading cards. So you can get these trading cards and make them with the picture of your pet and a little bio on the back. And they're distributed to over children in over 100 children's hospitals all over the country. So it's kind of a neat thing. So he's quite a feline ambassador, I got to tell you.
2: Yeah, and quite the celebrity, I guess.
1: Yeah, he's got an ego. We call him the feline George Clooney because ladies love him and the dudes do too. And (laughs) I I hope you meet him because he walks on on a leash, he rides in a stroller, he wears a cowboy hat. He does a bunch of tricks, and he's the coolest cat I've ever had. And he's living proof that you can get quite gems at a shelter,
2: right? Yeah, absolutely. You can get everything at a shelter. You know, the days of shelters being scary places hopefully are slowly going away. We, You've been here, Arden, to our, right. our shelters in San Diego, and they're not scary places. They're happy places, and we want people to take their kids to the zoo, go go other places here in San Diego, and then come to the shelter, even if they're not ready to adopt, because it can be a fun experience, and there's so many animals to pick from. Unfortunately, there's so many, but um, here, at least in San Diego, as you mentioned, we're we have all the animals are safe that can be adopted, will be adopted. So the euthanasia uh, is only, uh, we don't euthanize any healthier, treatable animals here. So it, it's a happy place. So go to a shelter and, and find your next best friend because they're
0: out there.
1: Yeah, and uh, your shelters, now you're building kind of a shelter empire in San Diego County. So <laughs> I know you have locations in Oceanside and San Diego, but is it Encinitas or where's the other places?
2: Escondido, and, which is up in our northeast corner of the county, really large county, 200 and something square miles. And right. it, if we were only in one place, it would be almost impossible for everyone in the county of 3.2 million people to get to us. So we have a central shelter in San Diego. We have one in Oceanside where you used to live up near Camp Pendleton going up the California coast. And then Escondido is 45 miles to the east of that. And then we're actually looking at down south and then also down in the South Bay toward Mexico. Because people, if you can't, have a place that people can get to easily, they won't come. And we really want them to come, not just to adopt, but also to find their lost pets. And that's, that's the real tragedy, that people will lose their pets and not go to the shelter and actually go and find them when they're right there in many cases.
1: That's a really good point. What got you into the whole field? I know, hey, folks, he's got uh DVM after his name. Yep, he's a veterinarian. And he yeah. has, you have like 30 years of animal welfare experience. So you became a veterinarian. And what made it you say, I need to make it my mission to help animals in shelters and shelters and get on the animal welfare path?
2: What was interesting um, that when I went to vet school it was like in the 19th century it feels like now <laughs> nobody ever mentioned working in an animal shelter. It just wasn't something that was really talked about. Wow. Animal shelter- back in the late 80s were really, um, you know, it was all about deworming and vaccinations and often euthanasia. So it was never really part of the curriculum in vet school. Now it is. So I did the normal route, which whatever normal means, I did my internship, I went and bought an animal practice uh, south of San Francisco, I had that for a number of years. Uh, I worked in other practices, but I really wanted to do something different. And I got that opportunity when I was out in Washington, D.C. to work as the medical director at a big shelter out there and I just fell in love with it it was everything I'd been looking for as a vet everything I wanted to do was right in there help people and help animals and help them stay together that's what the animal shelter is for
1: that sounds great and you've got some pretty strong typing fingers aren't these uh, books number
2: three and four for you Oh well, you know, it's funny. I, I was counting them last week because I had to do a bio. These are seven and eight. Oh, my so, gosh. You so doubled. It's, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it snuck up on me. Yeah. <laughs> it really did. Yeah, these are actually a good companion to two books that came out in the earlier part of this decade, um, 2013 and fourteen, on how to speak dog and how to speak cat. And, Arden, I know you and I spoke about those uh, a number of years ago, but those are really looking at body language and how you really kids can teach kids to, one, be safe, for sure, but also, to have the best relationship with their pets because animals tell us with their bodies what they're thinking. That's a good animal person that can actually read those body cues. Dogs and cats are really good at reading us, we okay. tend to not be as good at reading them.
1: I know. Casey knows how to manipulate me to give him a, a, a treat. He he sits on the, uh, the island in the kitchen, which is next to the laundry room, which is where the, the cool treats are held. So I go into the kitchen to get a glass of water or something. I hear this. Nyah, nyah, nyah. Hello. Nyah, nyah, nyah. So he's like charming me. And then he does his little touch with the paw. And then he looks right at the laundry room door. So oh, I have yeah, been, yeah. I've been trained That's by a Yeah, he's very good at it. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> That's true. But he also, doesn't he also know what your mood is?
1: Oh, absolutely, yes. Because that's
2: the amazing thing. We, you know, we don't often pick up what each other's moods are. Well, sometimes we do. It can be pretty overt, right? But often we're oblivious to what our fellow humans are, are thinking or going through. But our animals seem to get it. I remember I used to tell this story, and I think it says a bad thing about me, but I must have been more of, ai don't know, an impatient driver at one point in my life. Really? And I remember my dogs would move to the back of the car when <laughs> I was getting frustrated while I was driving. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) they taught me (laughs) they taught me to be more patient
1: (laughs) well let's get into these books because i'm very excited that you've written these two books they're aimed at kids but i've read them and i'm sorry it's for the kid and all of us but you're tapping the next generation of animal caretakers with these two books from national geographic kids so tell us how you got motivated to write the cat breed guide and the dog breed guide
2: well, you know, when I was growing up, the only cat and dog breed guides, and you'll recognize this, are, were the Purina charts. that used to be on every veterinarian's walls in their exam rooms. So it was maybe 40 dogs, maybe 40, 50 cats, something on, on just a, a flat chart. And they weren't necessarily related to anything, but they were just all the different cats and dogs you could find. And you know what? I've never seen anything since. Now, I'm sure there's something out there on cat and dog breed guides, but there really hasn't been anything for years. Years that really are, is digestible for kids. And honestly, these things are digestible for adults too, these two books. In doing them, and I need to point out that I had co-writers, T.J. Ressler and right. Stephanie Warren Drimmer, who actually did the bulk of the work on, on these, honestly. I actually found, I was stunned, absolutely stunned at the number of dog breeds that I did not know. There's about 350 in the book. Honestly, I think I knew 50, seriously. And then wow. research, you know, researching into these, I mean, what's a Chapin Doe? And what's a Charlotte wolf dog? I had never heard of these dogs because I know. we just don't <laughs> see them very often. A Transylvanian hound. I couldn't recognize a Transylvanian hound over an Austrian black and tan hound if my life depended on it. There's just amazing. And even just, you know, setters, there's a million setters. There are white setters, not just red setters and Irish setters, and even the retrievers and Spaniels. I mean, there's a million dogs in here. Well, there aren't. There are 350 dogs in here. But a a really good game with your family at first is to uh, see who recognizes the most dogs out of the books. And that person probably should get something very significant as a a prize. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, Well, let's go. uh, One thing Cats in there.
1: Well, let's go with the dogs first, because I kind of teased the listeners at the beginning. Do you know the difference between a Puli or a Pumi or, you know, so there's some dogs that are very similar, but they're not. So you you take right. us right. all the way from the wolf to the woof in this book.
2: And actually, I love that you said that because it's important that people know if they really want to be dog aficionados, know that wolves and dogs are related, but they're not direct descendants. They're both descended from a common ancestor, a very ancient primitive wolf that was like a wolf on steroids from the Jurassic Park era. And they're not at all the same breed as the current wolf we've got now. What we have now diverged off at the same time dogs did. So they're related cousins, but they don't actually are not in the same line. Well,
1: I'm looking at page 75, and I see a P-U-L-I dog and a P-U-M-I dog, and even though there's only one letter changed in the name, they're very different, wouldn't you say?
2: They're very, very different. They really are. Now, of course, these are Hungarian dogs. So I can't actually attest to what the Hungarian might mean, but we know the names Puli and Pumi are actually dogs that we don't see very often in general anyway. So I think if somebody were to see either of these, they might confuse them for the other. Pumi is something that I had never heard until the book. It's just okay. really very very rare dog. Uh, very similar. If you look, what we try to do in the book is give people the the origin of the animal, the size of the animal, weight, coat, grooming, and exercise needs. That's really important because if the exercise needs are are done in tennis balls, and you can see the two dogs, Puli and Pumi, are pretty similar. But you almost never ever see a Pumi, and if you're lucky enough to see a Puli, you probably won't see another one for two years because wow. they're really they're the mops. We should tell everybody they're the mop dog. <laughs> They look like they're at the bottom, at the bottom of a stick, <laughs> just in case people didn't know. And the Pumi is, is like it, but the Pumi is a cross between a Puli and Terriers from France oh. and Germany. So that's how that happened. And actually, it's really interesting. That is how many of our, our dogs and cats happen by crossing current breeds, of course, with other breeds, sometimes also with wild animals. So that other dog I mentioned, the Charlos wolfhound, actually yes. was a cross between a real wolf and a German shepherd. I oh. mean, like anybody would need to cross a German Shepherd with anything to make it more of a guard dog, but um, someone did that (laughs) and they turned out to be terrible guard dogs because they were too shy. So they turned out to be much, much better to be with kids. So it's kind of fun to hear about how we've invented these breeds and they're totally our fault. Every single one of them, we've done this. And they're wonderful, beautiful, you know, color chart of different personalities and, and animal shapes and sizes, but we're totally responsible for having mixed all these together and made them into breeds.
1: I really think, and I don't have any scientific basis for this, but of all the different species on this planet, I think there's more diversity in dogs than any others, because there's ones that we can hold in our hand and ones that probably can hold us in their paw, wouldn't you agree?
2: Yes. Yeah. Now, the birds have it over dogs uh, hands down, but okay. dogs have a million, million diversities with their own, I mean, in one species to have this much breed divergence. Now, the interesting thing is birds did it on their own. I mean, we did not domesticate. <laughs> well, there's yeah. domestic fowl, of course, but even wild birds, they managed to do that kind of um, heterogeneity even without humans' help. But we did this to dogs, So, but you're right. This is way, way, way at the top of the list. Dog diversity is is incredible. And, you know, for people out there, cats, people are insane about cats, and they should be. Cats are really remarkable, wonderful things. We don't get the joy of seeing all the cat breeds. You know, we only see, for the most part, DSHs, domestic short hairs. maybe a domestic long hair, maybe a medium, an occasional right. Siamese. But there's some really, really fascinating animals out there, the toiger, the Siamese, mylai, which is just amazing. It looks like a, a sculpture with a blue and a green eye. They're really amazing creatures that we just never get to see them.
1: And we're going to learn more about the feline side of this from our friend, Dr. Gary Weissman, the author of two books for National Geographic Kids, Cat Breed Guide and Dog Breed Guide, right after we take this quick commercial break. So sit and stay.
0: We'll be right back. Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash right after these messages.
1: Hey, pet pals, Arden Moore here to unleash some great health advice. It's time to be down in the mouth for the benefit of your dog and cat. Unleashing good oral care is one of the best ways to show love for your pet. Do you find brushing your pet's teeth challenging? Here is a terrific solution. Treat your dog to Oratine Brushless Oral Care. Oratine makes caring for your pet's oral health super easy. The difference is the enzymes. The advanced enzyme technology in oratine works to freshen the breath. It eliminates bacteria, fungus, and yeast. Yuck. They also reduce plaque biofilm from accumulating on the teeth. And guess what? None of these products require actual brushing. Woohoo! You can choose from these three products. One, a water additive that gives your pet the benefits of oral care with every lap of water. Two, a breath freshening spray with a gentle mister. Or three, a brushless toothpaste gel you can apply with your finger. If your pet tolerates brushing, hey, you can always brush too. To learn more, visit Z. Zmox.com, Z Y M O X.com, and look under the oral care product line. Do it today.
0: Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLiferadio.com. Pet Hi, this is Brandon McMillan, the host of Lucky Dog, and I invite you to listen to hey with and Moore on Pet Life Radio. We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to O Behave. Here's Arden.
1: Welcome back to the O Behave show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore, and we have Dr. Gary Weitzman in the house. Well, he's actually in San Diego. I'm in Dallas, and our producer's in South Florida, but the magic of technology is making it so that we feel like we're all sharing a, a sofa together. Dr. Gary, we want to talk a little bit about the cats. And, and in your book, I like how you have a reference from the jungle to the couch. And when it comes to their DNA, we really do have a lion in our living room, don't we?
2: We do. We do. There really are. Uh, it's, it's amazing that these are related to those giant carnivores on the uh, Savanna in Africa, how's this even, well, there are days you know it's possible from the way our domestic cats behave, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, it, but it is amazing, it's just amazing that they came to us about 12,000 years ago, 10 to 12, and dogs about twice as long, maybe 20 to 30,000 years ago of domestication, but so cats aren't quite caught up to dogs in terms of the, you know, well, I don't know, I don't want to insult any cats out there, but cats are different and they right. still have a bit of feral in them.
1: Yeah. And that's yeah. what we
2: love about them. Yeah. That's well the you have a
1: you have a new breed you taught that's T O Y G E R. Can you tell us about that? You found Isn't that amazing?
2: It in Mm-hmm. Yeah, the toyger isn't the toyger is an amazing, amazing, amazing animal, and it it is like a it's like a mini tiger. It's it's. Have you ever seen one? I had never seen. No, one I have not. That's that's my goal now to absolutely actually <laughs> see a toyger, but um, <laughs> it's it's good. At least the name kind of says it all. That's that's the really big help with toygers. But no, we go into that. Um, toygers are actually. Let's see. I'm going to flip to that page. I think the toyger is one of the Lewis cats. But honestly, there can't be more than two dozen in the world. And if you can get one of these cats, it's really amazing. And we should actually say something about good breeders because while you know I'm good. at an animal shelter, we have so many animals that need homes in the United States—about three and a half million, two point six to three and a half million. But there are good breeders out there, and we really want those good breeders to be celebrated because without them, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have these animals. We just simply wouldn't. So the Toyger is actually a really really terrific cat, and it's the, uh, it's just it looks like a Bengal. But um, it has a couple other things in there. And I'll tell you, when this cat came along in 2007, it became Cat of the Year. So wow. Which was really, really cool. Unfortunately, there weren't enough of them that people could actually make them Cat of the Year.
0: But um, tigers <laughs> are really
2: great cats. Re- really. That's, I can't say that that's going to be my next cat because it has to come through an animal shelter. But um, these are really amazing cats.
1: Let's talk about the wrecks. Rex. We've got the Cornish and the Devon. Yeah. And I love that the nickname mm-hmm. for the Devon, you pointed out in the book, they're called the Poodle Cat or the Alien Cat. That's quite a.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had never heard the poodle cat before. I know uh, but I have heard people talk about them as aliens in an affectionate way. They look like little aliens. Right. They look like the 1980s uh, scary movies with teenagers that we used to see and they don't <laughs> feed them at night that kind of thing. Yeah. They really do. But you know what? Have you ever have you ever met a, uh, a Rex? Oh Poins,
1: yeah. Yes. Poins, yes, Poins. yes. Yes.
2: Aren't they the sweetest cats on they earth? They
1: are. They are. They're very very they very cuddly and friendly
2: very cuddly and friendly, and they're very different, and the same goes for Chinese crested dogs. They're very sweet dogs. Something about these hairless varieties are really interesting, but Devin and the Rexes, the whole crew, Cornish Rexes, all of them, and there are quite a few of them, they're incredibly sweet animals, and I think it's really amazing. That was um, a recessive gene that actually kicked in to cause that, and they have different degrees of hairlessness, but most of them are very recognizable. What I still have trouble with after 30 years of working with animals is identifying in Devon versus a Cornish Rex. But um, that's, I'll aspire to more knowledge at some point.
1: <laughs> well, I've got to say, you are quite the champion for dogs and cats everywhere. And in the dog breed guide that you wrote uh, with T.S. Uh, Reisler, and I like that you gave credit to your co-authors. Thank you as a as a writer. I appreciate that. Oh, sure. You know, they're They're th- terrific. The photos are great. You've got it divided up into the dog groups. But then in the back area, you really are helping kids figure out how to pick the right dog or puppy for their family. Uh, You've got a lot of little references in the back, but it's just beautifully illustrated with very sharp, full-color photos. What's your thoughts about our next generation, the kids that are going to be there as being the custodians of dogs and cats?
2: Well, I think, first of all, we'll have fewer homeless pets. That's what we're all getting toward, and I think that will happen. I think kids, you know, that's the one thing, no matter where you are in the span of life, in terms of politics, religion, uh, work, millennials, all that, The one unifying thing is animals. It brings us all together. I don't think kids will have less of an association with animals or an affection for animals. Maybe for people, we can all understand that, but Mm -hmm. not for animals. So I'm looking forward to kids being more advanced in in compassion and what they actually know that uh, animals need from us. You know, when we have an animal in our home, we are that whole life for that animal, and I think that we will actually be making some headway into doing that. On the flip side, Arden, and this is what is so it's just so overwhelming on the planet now we always worry about you know losing our natural spaces and conservation and species decline um, extinction all of that and throughout the world there is sadly cruelty in this country we know that people actually are caring more and more about animals it's a 90 billion dollar industry in terms of pet food and supplies i have great hope for the kids now growing up appreciating animals and start them early just like you'd want to start a kitten early with socialization start kids early with getting to learn and love animals and i think we'll make a better world
1: And I'm sure you do some programs that cater to kids there at the San Diego Humane Society.
2: Mm -hmm. Quite a few. You can't be a humane society without having kids programs. You know, everything from camps to um, weeks um, being a, quote unquote, be a vet for a week, that kind of thing, to going to schools and to making sure that people have all the tools they need and information, uh, helping kids help their parents, Be encourage their parents to spay and neuter their pets. That helps a lot in so many communities. But yeah, we spend a lot of time with kids. I mean, they're certainly not hard to be with. And um, <laughs> boy, to see the the light on their faces when we bring animals into their, their classes or when they come here for tours, it's really, honestly, if you're a parent listening out there, bring your kids to your local animal shelter and start to get them to appreciate animals. Of course, there's the downside. You just went to the candy shop. So, <laughs> Be careful there until uh, until you're ready. <laughs> but get yes. your kids. That's a really important l- lesson, right. and it's not just about animals. It's about everything. So uh, it's really important. Bring your kids to the animal shelter, especially in you know, in Dallas has a wonderful Texas SPCA is terrific, and yep. Dallas Animal Services is terrific. There's some really progressive shelters out there, and go find them and ha- and have a great time with your kids there.
1: Well, I do a lot with the critter camps at the SPCA and uh, Casey and Kona actually go there and they become game show hosts. So we play a game with the kids called <laughs> canine, feline, fact or fiction with your game show host, Kona and Casey. And they come in and the oh, kids get <laughs> So I'll have to share after the show some things. If you ever want to do a game show, I can give you my little quiz that I created that you can do for the kids in San Diego. But you got to have oh, sure. a dog yeah, and a I'll cat in there that could really, and they love it, the kids are like cats are creceptacular, they're active at dusk and dawn. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're only nine.
2: <laughs> I know,
1: I know. So, everyone, <laughs> um, I would love to talk more with the great Dr. Gary Weitzman. I know he's uh, he's going from one show to the next to promote these must get books. They're called the From National Geographic Kids Dog Breed Guide, a complete reference to your best friend forever. And a Cat Breed Guide, a complete reference to your perfect best friend. Please, guys, the holidays are coming up. These are great gift ideas for your kids and your grandkids. And uh, how do we find out more about you? Tell us uh, the website for the Humane Society, Dr. Gary.
2: Uh, it is uh, San Diego Humane, sthumane.org. All
1: right. And on behalf of Pet yep. Safety Cat Casey, living proof that great pets come from shelters, I really thank you for being on our show. And more importantly, I thank Thank you for all that you're doing for animals in the San Diego area, Dr. Gary.
2: And you too, Arden. Really fun talking to you. All
1: right, guys. And at this time, too, I need to do a shout out to our producer, the Wizard of Paws. We're talking about Mark Winter. He is the executive director of Pet Life Radio, the world's largest pet network. And so tune in to our show and all the other shows on Pet Life Radio. And until next time, this is your flea free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two. Three and four leggers out there, all behave!
0: Coast to coast and around the world, it's all behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do, and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rintin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail wagging pet tips and have a fur flying fun time. All behave with America's pet entertainer Arden Moore every week on demand.